Welcome to Missionary Roundtable with your host, Kale Horvath. All right, welcome back to Missionary Roundtable. Thanks once again for tuning in. We're excited that you are with us. This is the podcast that's all about the Great Commission and international and foreign missions and just that whole world of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're so glad you guys join us each week. This is season two. If, you, if you're just now finding us, make sure you go back on your podcast app and find season one, and you can find more missionary and pastor stories and interviews and testimony about the Great Commission and strategy and ways that we can reach the world. World. Today, I'm very excited for our interview. Uh, we have got missionary Josh Allred, who is a missionary in Merida, Mexico. And I'm going to let him introduce himself here in a second, but I'm really excited. Josh is a guy that I had not previously um, had a close friendship with. I knew of him. My church supported him. I had met him uh, in passing at a, at a missions conference before, but I am uh, very good friends with his brother, uh, who is uh, who, who goes to a church down in Georgia, and so I'm excited to have him on the show. Josh, thanks for being with us, and thanks for agreeing to do this with a guy that you don't even know. <laughs> Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. Good to be with you. Absolutely. Now, what I would like to do is be a part of the audience here and just get to know you. Um, so I'm just going to ask you some questions. Now, I know, uh, Josh, your, your wife's name is Amanda, right? That's right. Okay. So Josh and Amanda all read and you have five kids. Five. And Their names are Gabriel, Michael, Bella, Sila, and Malachi. That was a quiz. And you passed. Good job. Yes. <laughs> you remembered all. Got to keep sharp on those things. <laughs> right. They and you are be... not old enough to have five kids, man. Like you're, yeah. you are three years older than me and you have five kids. So man, you, well, there, there are crowns for you at the judgment seat that I, <laughs> I know not of. <laughs> we kind of had a philosophy when we started having kids. It was the sooner we start, the sooner they'll grow up and we'll have a little bit of time left at the end. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, no, that's Enjoy good. the grandparent years. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right. My parents were the same way, actually. <laughs> that's great. Uh, and you guys, like I said, are missionaries to Meridon, Mexico. How long have you, as a missionary, been on the field with your family? Um, we have been here as, you know, approved missionaries ourselves since 2014, September 14. So it is, we're going on seven years. September will make seven years that we've been here as a, as a family. Okay. Awesome. And now this is where we start to get into, uh, some of the interesting backstory. Um, interesting, I think anyway, but, uh, your, your father, um, is a, is a missionary in, uh, the country of Mexico as well. That's right. Yeah. Um, my parents have been here since 98. And so that would be going on what, 23 years, I, wow. I believe if I'm doing my math, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We're around there. Truly veterans, uh, in the missionary work. That's awesome. Yes. And so you would have grown up on the missionary field. I did. I did. I was 10 uh, when we moved to Mexico, we moved to Northern Mexico, a city called Monterey for two years. And we, we worked with a veteran missionary there, kind of getting our feet wet, really getting a hold of the language, um, kind of learning from him and developing a bit of a strategy of, you know, what, how we were going to do what we were wanting to do. And then in 2000, actually it was Easter Sunday of the year 2000, um, we moved to Medida. And uh, so we've been, been here. I was, what, 12 when we moved to Medida. Um, and then, you know, I got to grow up here working alongside my parents, got to help start the ministry. Um, and then in 2005, I, uh, went to Bible college mm -hmm. and so I got to uh, study there in the States um, or in Mexico, in the States, okay. in the States, I went to uh, Trinity Baptist in Jacksonville, okay. Florida. And so I studied there for four years, graduated, um, from Bible college, met my wife there. And, um, so we got married, we served on a church, uh, in Texas, uh, for a year and then started uh, raising our support doing deputation after that. Mm, that's awesome. Um, so I, I have like several questions for you because I love this. <laughs> sure. I, I love this idea that there's generational ministry where uh, a dad, well, parents give their life to the Lord, especially in, in a, a field like foreign missions, which 
already is a subset of Christianity and a subset of ministry because, you know, there's, there's so many Christians and then there's so many people who will do ministry leadership. And then within that, there's only so many people who will do vocational ministry leadership. And then within that subset, 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 there's those who will actually move to a foreign field. Um, and then within that, even there's some who then their kids will, will take up that mantle. And so I, man, I, you know, people have called him. MKs before missionary kids, like PKs, pastor kids. Um, oh yeah. But if you could, I have so many questions about that, that MK, uh, way of life and how you were raised, but I guess the easiest way to start is what was it like growing up on the field? So you were 10, right? When you moved to Mexico. So, right. so you were old enough to know this ain't America. It's not like you were two or three years old. You're <laughs> like, Oh, this is, this is new. This is different, different language. Yeah, you know, looking back, I was probably right at that optimal age to understand what was happening, but not be too adversely affected by it. Still pretty flexible. <laughs> yeah, very malleable at that point. It was, I mean, that was, you know, who didn't do this? <laughs> you know, we're just, I'm just going this with my parents. Life. Yeah, you know? this is what we do. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, you know, one thing that was kind of weird to me, I guess, that they just growing up the, after the first few years on the field, you, you come back and visit and you just kind of expect that everybody back home kind of understands your life. Yeah. And then you start to realize that nobody's really, <laughs> nobody really gets you anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gets what you're doing. Sure. Um, so that was, that was kind of weird, but yeah, it was, I, I, I obviously knew, you know, I was old enough to understand what we were doing, what was going on. Um, I old enough to be frustrated and, and I don't remember this as well as my parents remember it, you know, but I was <laughs> learning the new language and everything was very frustrating. You know, I, I remember, I, I have good memories of that time in my life. Um, my parents remember me coming home, you know, crying from school and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, trying to learn the language. Sure. Uh, I look back and say, Oh yeah, I remember I had good friends and stuff. Uh, but the parents I remember think, the part know, that, that cut them the most. Uh, I can already right. only five months on the field can attest to some of that with the little ones, but, but you're yeah. like, ah, yeah, I don't, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> you roll with the punches, you know, you're, you're, you will, you know, I say, I say like with our kids, you know, one, one thing you learn as a parent is kids made out of rubber, you know, they just bounce. <laughs> so you drop one is, you know, they'll bounce back up. Uh, <laughs> Physically get, and emotionally. You an adult, you're a lot less flexible. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I think it was good, you know, because those, those first years, you know, being at that age too, really allowed me to pick up on the language very quickly. Um, I, I was able to, you know, when you're 10, you don't have much of a comfort zone, you know, and getting out of your comfort zone is not that big of a deal. I was able to really, uh, interact with people and make friends and, mm-hmm. and, um, learn, learn the culture and the language. So, you know, I, I think it was a good age. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, the Lord obviously, you know, had had our lives planned out and knew where we'd be at what time in our life. But, um, but I, I, yeah, looking back on it, I think I don't think there could have been a better a better process for for immersing me in in what the Lord called me to do. Mm-hmm. I'm in Central Europe, and so just as a white guy, you you can kind of blend in if you want to, but. You, I imagine as a kid, you didn't blend in, man. Did, did that ever, you know, did that ever, uh, create rough, rough times for you where, you know, just emotionally, you know, we kind of, we kind of got to a point where we just accepted that we didn't fit in anywhere. And I, I think one thing what do you that mean by that, that's interesting. Well, we, we kind of consider ourselves and I've heard some people use the phrase and I don't, I don't remember exactly if I'm saying it right, but I think they use the phrase like third culture mm. where, yeah, you, I think you yeah, don't yeah. really fit in. You, you never really fit in in your in your host country, as far mm-hmm. as you know. Like as as a Mexican, I'm not. I, I feel like I fit in better now, but you you don't ever feel like, hey, I'm I belong here. I belong in this culture. I belong in this country. This is my home. Um, I mean, Mexico is is home to us now, but you always kind of feel a little bit like an outsider. But then when you go back to the states to me, I feel, I feel even more like an outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you, in, in relationships are relationships, you have relationships with people, but as far as the culture goes, I mean, there are a lot of things that feel very weird in the States, you know, even nervous, um, 
you know, going back, there, there's some things, you know, when, when you get to Mexico, you're kind of nervous because you hear of drug cartel and, and the dangers that are around and you, and you're not familiar with where you're at and stuff. And so you get here and you're a little nervous and uneasy and, you know, don't put the kids too far out of reach and that kind of thing. Then, you know, you kind of get used to living where you're living. And, and I go back to the States now and like going to Walmart's kind of a scary experience sometimes, to be <laughs> honest. I mean, just things that you're, you're not used to seeing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so, so you, you really, you, you don't fit in, you, you know, you're not, you don't belong necessarily where you're at and you go back home and you don't really feel like you fit there either. And mm-hmm. the place that you feel like you really fit is with other people that, that do what you do. And I think that really fostered a, a, a unity as far as um, with our family. Mm. It drew us closer as brothers, you know, with our parents. Um, we had a very, very close-knit, tight family, um, very supportive of one another. And I think, you know, you, you kind of create that bond because none of you belong, you know. <laughs> and also, w- one thing that, you know, I, I kind of mentioned before, it's you really learn to, you learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Hmm. You know, you, you learn to be comfortable not fitting in. You learn to be comfortable, you know, you, you and, and I know a lot of missionary kids struggle, you know, you go to different churches, raising support, and then going back on furlough and you're visiting church after church after church and you don't really know anybody at, at any of them. Um, and that can be a little uncomfortable, but you just kind of get to a point where it's like, I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. That That's becomes just the normal. My as, lifestyle. As right. As it is. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. And and I think that's a benefit. Now, of course, you know, once you get settled in, you start to be more comfortable and familiar with the things that are around you. And, and I would say now, you know, I would say many that feels like home mm-hmm. more than anywhere else. And and we've even talked about, you know, if we were to move back to the States, like where would we move back to that would feel like home to us? You know, mm-hmm. yeah, because <laughs> most of the places we lived before, you know, that were home in the past is like, well, if I moved back there, I, that wouldn't really feel like home. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, sure. So, and it, at this point, it would be moving to a foreign country if if you were back in the states. Yeah, it because, really would because be. you've acclimated and, to Mexico. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, just the simple things like you know, I I know how to get plumbing done, I know how to get cement work done, I know how to get things fixed around the house here. Like moving back to the states, I'd have to relearn how to fix things around the house, you know, right. everything's done so differently. But and, you're clearly a um, Southerner because you said cement. So, I mean, so maybe oh, yeah. <laughs> if you have to go back, I would check the Southern states. <laughs> South, def- we we I, spent yeah. a lot of time in deputation in the South, man. So we learned, we had to learn a foreign language before we went to the field. <laughs> True. Yeah. Breaking the ground there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean though, man. I, I've heard, um, well, even my pastor, Jeff Bartell, he was a missionary in Albania for 15 years. And then when, when the Lord called them back to the States, um, he said that that was actually more difficult for, well, cause he went to the field alone, but he said it was more difficult as a family to come to the States and, and emotionally than it was going to the field for just him. And so I, I can understand yeah. how it just becomes your home. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really does. And, you know, there's, I, I think probably like most houses in the States had that little cross stitch saying somewhere on their wall, it says home is where the heart is. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, to, to me, home is, home is wherever the Lord has you, wherever you're serving, mm. you know, it's it, it, home is home is your place in the kingdom. You know, mm. it's it, wherever the Lord's using you, that's where you want to be. And, the whole world belongs to him. So, you know, you just, the world's not really home anyway. You're just kind of stationed somewhere mm-hmm. while you're waiting to go home. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, it's probably that perspective too yeah, that it, gives it, you. You the, can learn to be comfortable anywhere. Yeah. And it, that's what gives you the comfort in the, un, uh, in being uncomfortable. Really, if, if you weren't a Christian, I don't think that that's as possible because. I don't know, just from my short experience here on the field, even when things are hard and it's emotional, you're just trusting that like we did what God asked us to do. And, and, and maybe you can attest to that from a much longer experience perspective, but having that hope and, and confirmation, maybe we could say, um, actually confirms in you. It's like, it's, it's, this is okay because this is where God wants us to be. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and there's nowhere else we'd rather be. Um, Mm. you know, I, I remember one of our, pastors, I think it was in Jacksonville when we were at school there, he would say, uh, you know, there's no safer place than the center of God's will. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
and and there's I mean, sin sin's universal no matter where you go you're going to be living in the middle of you know a place full of sinners <laughs> and uh you know you, just, you you can't get too comfortable in the yeah. world anyway so uh, really i mean talking about being comfortable being uncomfortable that's really what we're called to do mm. you know we're we're called to be in the world but not of the world and um you, you get too comfortable in the world and you and you turn out like lot you know <laughs> so, <laughs> right right You've, you got to stay you got to you got to stay out of that comfort zone regardless mm. exactly yeah can you speak on um so, so being raised on the field as a missionary kid and MK as it were, can you speak to this idea of cultural adaptation from that perspective? And so, you know, in missiology classes and missionary prep classes in Bible college or something, you're always talking about cultural adaptation from a biblical side with like, you know, what Paul speaks about, but also just from a practical side and, and what that requires, you know, how, but in a, and there's a lot of focus placed on that because it is important, you know? Maybe a couple of decades ago, American missionaries did have the problem where they were exporting their American, um, I don't want to say American Christianity, but that was certainly part of it, but just their American lifestyle to the field. And, you know, maybe it's, that's not as, maybe that's not as much of a problem nowadays, but can you just speak to that idea of uh, social uh, or cultural adaptation from the perspective of a missionary kid who had to adapt at an early age? Yeah. You know, that's one thing that we kind of, um, how would I put that? It's something that we really thought through a lot is, is, you know, how much, how much do you want to influence one culture and how much do you want to import another culture? And, and I kind of, I think personally, my perspective on that after, after going through a lot of thinking about it is, um, we really don't want to promote any national culture in general. Uh, I mean, diversity is, you know, it's great to have different, different ways to do different things and have, you know, different foods and different uh, ways to dress. And, you know, um, there, there are things that we miss, of course, about the States, you know, typically your, some of your restaurants and some of the the food and uh, that kind of thing, you know, and then they have different things here that we'd miss if we went back there um, cultural diversity is a, a great thing, but um, when it comes to the culture, what we really want to promote is not an American culture, not a Mexican culture, but a godly culture, no matter where we are, and, and that that you know is is international. Um, so if I were in the states, I wouldn't try to promote an American culture and say, "Well, we're an American church, we're going to have an American culture." Well, no, we're going to have a godly culture um, if we're in the states and in Mexico. You know, it's not about Mexican culture, American culture. It's, hey, we want to promote and, and foster a, a godly culture here. And so, um, you know, the things that the Bible says, there, there are ways that we're supposed to do things and ways we're not supposed to do things. And we want to, to create a, a godly, a Christian culture, no matter what country we're in. And then when it comes to preferential things or, or you know, things like how, how, do you, how do you cook a chicken? Um, how, how, what sauces do you use on your food and that kind of thing, be as diverse as, as you want to and, and enjoy that and appreciate that, that God's given us all different, you know, different ways to contribute to, to make the world a, a more colorful place. But, um, but, but yeah, you, you want to have, and, and, and that's one thing too, that I, I think you mentioned um, American missionaries tended to kind of export American culture and then there's kind of a, a, a pendulum swing the, under, the other way, kind of a knee-jerk reaction and say, oh, we don't want to do that. And so then it got to be like, well, we don't want to influence their culture at all. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think you got to have a balance to where, you know, we don't have we don't have to make everybody dress the same way that we do, you know, like here. Um, it's usually in the 90s and 100s here. Um, God bless to, you, To come down here and, yeah, if we're going to force people to wear a tie and a, and a suit jacket, we're going to smother them all and kill them, you know. <laughs> um, they don't have to dress like an American dresses. Um, and, and they have different ways of dressing up and, and things and, and that's great. Um, but on the other hand, you know, we can't just come down and say, Hey, you know what? These people are liars. Lying is <laughs> just part of their culture. We're not going to try to change that. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, there are things you can't, you can't just accept here, you know, um, dishonesty, manipulation, uh, in commerce, you know, right. uh, stealing, uh, cheating. Those are very common things here. Um, 
infidelity in marriage. Now, of course, that's becoming more and more uh, a part of American culture as well as, as American culture gets away from the Bible. Mm-hmm. But obviously, those are things that we confront and say, listen, this, this is, this, yeah, it's part of your culture, but it's not right. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what country you're in, it's not right. You know, you got to adapt to a, to a yeah. biblical culture. And then the, you know, the, the superficial things, you know, be as diverse as, as you want. I think God made us all diverse and he made us all diverse on, on purpose. I mean, if you didn't make any of us with the same, you know, fingerprint, uh, you know, it tells you that his purpose was for us to be <laughs> different. Um, so, so you gotta, you gotta walk that, walk that line of saying, Hey, I'm, I'm going to accept, uh, the culture as long as it, it aligns with the Bible, but anything that contradicts the Bible, I'm going to confront that. Yeah, no, that, that's a good way. I'm glad you said that. Cause I guess you could say that culture is amoral except when it isn't. <laughs> right. right yeah. So it's like, listen, if, if the culture is sinful, well then, then it's sinful and it's wrong, but, but not all, you know, there's so many things that make up what culture is. I mean, language is a key to the culture. And so, you know, yeah. the things that aren't sinful are fine. You don't need to change that. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's really good because I think, I think one of the biggest problems that we have in ministry, regardless of foreign or international missions or domestic is that we just, cause we're humans, we tend to get out of balance, whether it's to the left or to the right, it doesn't matter. It's just we should always be seeking the balance on any issue. I think that's a good point. God makes that point in the Proverbs all the time. False balance is an abomination of the Lord, you know, but it just right. made us his delight. And so that that's really key. W- would you say as growing up as a kid, because I'm going to transition in a little bit to then how those perspectives helped you as an adult going to the mission field. But growing up as a kid, do you remember anything it, it's still kind of in this vein of cultural adaptation. Was there anything just practically not, you know, not spiritually, not in a church medium, anything practically that helped you feel um, like you were less on the outside looking in and, and maybe, maybe even affected your influence spiritually. I don't know. Um, trying to, to frame the question in my mind. So any, anything that made me kind of feel more accepted, well, in, yeah, in so that you, yeah, because with the idea of cultural adaptation, it's like I'm just trying to acclimate to their culture more so that they don't view me as a stranger. You know what I mean? Like they accept me at least on some level. Do, do you remember anything like that? I know 10 is pretty young. Yeah, well, you know, to be honest, when when we moved to Mexico, we obviously, you know, mom and dad were trying to, to – put us in a position to be able to learn the language and learn the culture and interact. Go to school. So yeah, we, we went to school. Um, we went to church, we had friends. Um, I actually got to sign up for a, a football team. You know, it's a, a little peewee oh, nice. league and <laughs> which is side story, which is not part of what we're talking about here. But, um, we, I signed up for a little peewee league and, and the guys told us, you know, we said, well, we're at church on Sunday. So, you know, are the games going to be on Sundays? Or are they going to be, on Fridays, Saturdays, and no, no, all the games are always on Saturdays. We never play any games on Sundays, always Saturdays. So I was like, cool. So, so I went and I practiced like every week as there for practice all week. And then like first game was on Sunday. Like, ah. <laughs> he said, well, it's, it doesn't normally happen. It's just a kind of a fluke thing. And then the next game was on Sunday and every <laughs> single game was on Sunday. So I went to all the practices and I never played a school. Oh man. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. um, so, but yeah, I mean, but having those experiences though, just, um, I really was able to make friends. Um, and so, you know, like I mentioned, had a lot, had a lot of good friends at school. And I look back and, and think, you know, as a 10 year old, you know, uh, I look back and, and still cherish some of those friendships that I made there. Um, had friends at church, good friends at church, uh, had young men that, that discipled me uh, when, you know, when we got there just kind of one-on-one and, and took some time and invested in me. Um, still remember those guys and, and, and look back fondly on those, times and those memories. But I, I, I think one way that I kind of dealt with it, which was the wrong way to deal with it was <laughs> I really bonded with those friends that were my age that I made. I learned Spanish and, and learned how to hang out and play and have fun like, like anyone does. But I really kind of had resentment towards authority figures. Hmm. So I really kind of acted out in class, like towards the years at, at school um, at church, I, just misbehaving in class, that kind of thing, just kind of, just kind of stick it to you. 
kind of a thing. Um, and so I guess, I guess I, I, I forgot kind of. No, it's okay. It's okay. Question, it but anyway, like, though, that's that being, being a kid aids in that cultural adaptation because it's like, you're just, kids are innocent in many ways. So you're just trying to be accepted. You're just trying to make friends. And so it, it sounds like it aids in that to some level. Do you, Maybe this this is actually a good transition here because I'm I'm curious, um, as a missionary, a new missionary who is now raising a son who's going to be an MK, a missionary kid. Right. Did having that perspective did that um, affect how you parent your children um, to to help them flourish in in being missionary kids or yeah, maybe third uh, culture a hundred a hundred percent, and and that's one thing that I think really really shaped the course of my life was the way my parents parented me mm-hmm. growing up on the mission field. And, and, and that's advice that any advice that I can give to missionaries who have kids on the field is, is, you know, follow my parents example. And what they did was we never, mom and dad never had their ministry. It was our ministry. Mm-hmm. And they made sure that we were involved in everything that was going on. Um, you know, it, Mom and dad weren't planning a church. We were planning a church. Mm. Um, Mom and dad weren't going out, you know, knocking on doors. We were going out knocking on doors as a Mm. family. And they always made sure that we realized that, hey, this is not God's calling on their life. This is God's calling on our life as a family. Um, You know, when we grow up, God may call us to to a different place. He may call us to the States. He may call us to another country. Um, but as long as we're here as a family, God's called us as a family. And, um, and so I really grew up with a vision for the ministry here. I grew up seeing the need, knowing why we were here, what we were doing, what the purpose was, um, knowing, you know, Hey, we're, this is not just a career move. This is, this is, we're here serving the Lord and there's a reason for it. And, um, so instilling that philosophy in us growing up and, and involving us and everything really, you know, when I grew up it was just very natural for me to be like, well, you know, what else am I going to do, but continue to serve the Lord. That's, you know, they, they really taught us a lifestyle. Hmm. And so, you know, I, I've, I've known other missionary kids that they've grown up and, and it's kind of like, well, mom and dad are missionaries, you know, and I'm just here until I turn 18, then I'm going to go do my own thing. Uh-huh. Um, and they weren't really involved in the ministry. It was like, you know, whenever there's a church activity, it's, and I felt like too, you know, with, with some of my friends and stuff, other missionary kids, it's almost like there's constant competition between ministry and family. And, um, mm. you know, it, it was, well, mom and dad can either be doing ministry or doing family time. And with us, it was ministry is family time. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, hey, we're all getting dressed and we're going to this church event, you know, because we're all working together to win people to Christ and disciple people. And, um, so I, I feel like the, the bond, you know, that we had as a family was centered around a common purpose, a common, um, mission and, and, uh, common service to the Lord. And I don't think there's a stronger tie for a family than to be serving the Lord together. And, you know, um, as, as we grew up that, that really influenced who, who we became as adults, um, we weren't just looking to just get out, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and leave and get away from the mission field. It was, yeah. uh, we, we understand that this is, that this is part of the purpose of, of our lives. So do you think I, that I feel like helped you because unfortunately I, I think there are missionary kids and I mean, I didn't, you know, do a poll or anything, but just from what you hear that a lot of missionary kids do grow up kind of resenting the mission field and kind of just wishing that they had a, maybe a quote unquote normal life back in America. Do you think that, you know, your parents <laughs> oh. just making sure they bring you along? Like you, you hear the phrase, you know, bring your kids with you in, as far as ministry leadership. Do you think that yeah. kind of helped, you know, you not resent the mission field? Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I mean, it was, it was our project, you know, together mm. and, you know, going back and, and and looking at friends that I would have grown up with if we had not gone to the mission field, if we had stayed home, um, the people that I that I would have been with and influenced by, I look back and say, man, thank thank God that I did not grow up a normal life mm-hmm. because I would be in a quote unquote normal situation. I'd probably be you know doing doing the normal thing today. Um, 
and, and looking at where a lot of people are um, now, it's like, man, I, that, that would have been me. And, I, and I'm thankful that God spared me from that and, and really um, taught me and opened my eyes to, to much more. So now that, that you're a missionary and you've been on the field for a while now, I mean, it's, it's not like you're new to the field. You're, you're definitely a veteran at this point. I haven't been on the field since 2014. Uh, how does your experiences growing up as a missionary kid, how do you then balance, find the balance between mission, uh, not missions, ministry and, and family? Because you, you pastor a church plant there, you're discipling, you're training guys. So, I mean, you're doing the whole thing, um, but also raising five kids. So how do your experiences then translate to what you practically may try to do to, to balance your family time and your ministry? Yeah, that, that's a good question. That's one thing that I've, that I've kind of, well, I, I've put a lot of thought into, um, because you, you kind of, you're influenced by your experiences and what you know and, and what you've gone through, um, in your life. And, you know, every person is unique and every situation is unique and every life is unique and so you can't just take a, a cookie cutter and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give my kids the exact experience that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of learn from those experiences and, and there are a lot of things that you appreciate from your childhood that you want to, that you want to replicate in your kids' lives. Um, and, and one thing that I've kind of realized is, you know, what, I, I'm, I'm not going to give them the exact same experiences that I had. Um, they're not me, <laughs> you know, uh, they're going to have their own life experiences and, um, and so I, I try to look at, you know, I, I want to take the positive from from my childhood and 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 try to make sure that I replicate that to to an extent. But then take their life and say, okay, where are they at? Um, what is the best I can do for them? You know, what what is the what is the going to give them the best opportunity uh, to grow into into a mature um, a mature relationship with the Lord. Um, and, and a life of, of service. Now, of course, obviously, you know, the, the most important thing, um, that I think we can do for our kids is, is just pray for them. Uh, you know, just beg the Lord on a daily basis that, that he will mold their lives and, and do what, you know, we can't do as parents, obviously, uh, as much as I would like to, you know, make my kids what I want them to be, uh, you know, I, I can't, I can't do more than influence them and they're going to make their own choices and decisions. And, um, and the Lord's going to lead them in their life. And, and so I, you know, pray for them. Um, I, I think that's probably the, the biggest thing a parent can do. And then, you know, try to, to teach them. And, uh, you know, like the Bible says, just raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Mm-hmm. For me, um, the Lord, the Lord has blessed me with a wonderful wife that, you know, the, the Bible talks about the, the, the wife is, is a meat help for, um, for a husband. And I look at it as, you know, it's my responsibility as the head of my household to raise my children in accordance with God's, uh, will and plan for their life in accordance with his word. Um, and she is my helper, um, takes a lot of that responsibility that I have and helps me to make sure that, that, that I meet that responsibility. And so she, um, is homeschooling the kids and, um, you know, she, she pours a lot into their lives, uh, as far as teaching the word of God, praying with them. Um, and, and of course in their, their education. Um, so I'm really blessed to have a wife that, um, that, that is that, perfect of a help for me to make sure that that, that, that gets done. That uh, frees me to be able to, to, to have a, a good balance between, you know, fulfilling my ministry responsibilities as well as my responsibilities towards my kids. You know, one thing that, that we teach the people here too is, you know, you have, you have many relationships. God created us as, as relational people. Um, he, he created us to, to exist within society, uh, not to be isolated from others. Um, within that, what, what that means is you have relationships and with every relationship comes benefits and comes responsibilities. Um, and the, the more, the closer and the more intimate the relationship, the more responsibilities come along with it and the more benefits come along with it as well. So obviously the, the, the most intimate and most important relationship in, in my life is my relationship with God. 
Outside of that, I have a relationship with my with my spouse. And then outside of that, I have a relationship with my children. Then I also have a relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ and our church family. Um, then outside of that, I have a relationship with with the lost world. Um, and, and, and every relationship comes with responsibility. And when you start, you know, if, if you were to sit down and make a list of all of the responsibilities that you have in, in every one of those relationships, I mean, it's it would seem impossible to to meet all of those responsibilities, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so you, you, you have to obviously balance that. Um, but you, what you want to do is try to meet all of those responsibilities, um, to the best of your ability, only of course, with the Lord's help. And then when you have a, a wife who supports and helps you to get that done, uh, you know, you, you can get so much more, you can meet so much more of your responsibility having that help. And so she, she, um, She's really my my right hand, of course. It's you know a little cliche to say, but um, really that that is you know <laughs> you you want the secret to 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 really being able to raise your kids right. Uh, make sure that that you and your spouse are working together on board and have the same vision and goals to to help mm -hmm. them reach maturity as as followers of Christ. And um, so so that's that's one thing. Another thing too is one thing that I learned from a teacher that I had in school and in, in high school is, you know, take every advantage of every opportunity. Um, you know, when you're sitting down in class, is not the only time you're learning. You're learning every moment that you're awake, you know. Um, so use those opportunities to, as educational opportunities. Um, and, and don't just, you need to teach your kids intentionally, but you also need to teach them opportunistically. Mm. <laughs> uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And so we... We make an effort to do that. So, of course, we have, you know, they have great grandparents as well um, that are very supportive in that. And so, you know, we just try to give our children every possible opportunity to grow and have their own life and their own experiences follow, but but following God and fulfilling his purpose and plan for their individual lives. Mm -hmm. That's really good, man. I, I, I think that it, it's, it's great advice because it, I think it's sometimes surprises people that, um, the best biblical advice on anything in life really is usually a, a pretty simple answer. It's like, well, it, if, yeah. if you just parent your kids intentionally and you and your wife are on the same page, things will go okay. And they're like, okay, okay, yeah, but but what's the secret? It's like, well, you know, right. <laughs> you know intentionally raise your kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord and and be on the same page as your wife. And But it, 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 it takes even more maybe intentionality if you're going to do something like then live on the mission field because there's so many other distractions and, and whatnot. Um, but man, yeah, that's, that is great advice. All right. What I'd like to do now is uh, kind of turn, I usually I would, you know, have you tell more of your story at the beginning, but I really did want to kind of focus more on the missionary kid aspect of it before we get into, I, I'd like to ask you one simple question, but feel free to tell this story however you want. How did God call you to the mission field and even into the ministry as a missionary kid. And, and how do you think that maybe is different from someone like me who I, you know, I was not a missionary kid. I, I wasn't even a pastor's kid. I was just a, a kid who was raised in America in church. And then, you know, through a bunch of circumstances, you know, God called and confirmed in our hearts to, to move to the mission field. But for you, I would, I would imagine that there would be uh, some different th things and experiences that would happen with that considering uh, you spent your childhood on the mission field and then you went back, um, you know, to join your parents and, and, uh, serve with them. And, and even, you know, I, I don't know if you still serve underneath them per se, but could, could you tell some of that story about how God called you, uh, while growing up on the field? Yeah. You know, that's a really good question. And pe people, I think uh, a lot of times they, like you said, they want to know that secret. What's the secret, you know, um, <laughs> And, and people, you know, well, how, how does God call you? And how, how do you know if you're called? And, oh, you yeah. know, that, that thing, is the million dollar question, right? <laughs> right. How do you yeah. know you're called, right? Well, <laughs> and, and I, and I, I hope, I hope I don't misquote here, but Jesus said, if I'm, if I'm quoting him correctly here, you know, my sheep, uh, I know my sheep and they hear my voice. Mm. If, I, if I said that right, they know me something to that effect yeah, where, yeah. yeah, they know me and they, and they know my voice. Um, the thing about God is he knows yeah. Yeah. It's God knows how to communicate. He's pretty, he's pretty good at it. You know, <laughs> um, he, he kind of created language and kind of, you know, revealed himself to us throughout history. 
Um, and, and he's used, you know, different means to do so. Uh, you look back at the Old Testament, you know, uh, obviously you have the the prophets and, and he spoke in visions and dreams and um, he spoke in person to, to some. And then, you know, he used biblical authors to, to transmit his word. Um, and then, of course, he revealed himself in, in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, and, and so he he reveals himself to us and, and, and he communicates with us. And, and of course he gave us language and, and gave us the ability to think and to perceive and, and to communicate. Um, so, you know, I think usually when, when there's a problem with communication, it's not usually on God's part. It's usually part, uh, a problem on our part yeah. <laughs> when it comes to hearing <laughs> yeah, what he's trying good. to communicate to us, yeah. you know? Um, and, um, you know, one, one thing, Blackaby says in, in his book, Experiencing God, is mm-hmm. that God pursues a relationship with us. And through that relationship, then he can reveal what he's doing and invite us to be a part of it. Mm. And and I, I don't think there's some, I think some people expect some secret mystical voice, you know, yeah. come from the sky or something. And, hey, I'm You're calling right. you to do this. Um, and, I think Blackaby also you know, like talks I, about um, experiencing God. That that study actually was a huge impact in my life on just how God speaks to New Testament Christians. And I and I I feel like yeah. I remember him talking about uh, that God often just calls you to where He's already working. Um, and and that that right. is such a just a big thing. Um, uh, just as far as like, okay, so what am I supposed to do? It's like, okay, well, how about you just look at where what is God already doing, and then just join Him there. You know. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Well, and, and one thing my dad <laughs> says too is, you know, um, if if you're wanting to serve the Lord and you're trying to follow Him and you want and you want to do what's what He's calling you to do, he said, let's say you know you think He's calling you to to Argentina, so you go to Argentina and you start, you know, preaching the gospel there, and He actually wanted you in Chile, but you actually <laughs> but but you miss His voice and went to Argentina. You think the Lord's going to get upset? For, at you for going to Argentina and preaching the gospel to you know, the people. Um, <laughs> sure. So we overthink kind of, it a little no, bit too no, much sometimes. Yeah, there's no yeah. wrong place to preach the gospel, you know. But, you know, one one thing too that um, I had a professor in, in college, one, one thing that I was very concerned about before I got married was making sure that I heard God's calling when it came to marrying the right person. Mm. <laughs> you know, I was I was very concerned that I would I would stick my foot in there and, and mess it up. Um, <laughs> and a professor, something that he gave me a lot of comfort in. He, he said, listen, he said, are, are you trying to follow the Lord's plan for your life? Or are you seeking his will? Are you asking him to, to show you what, what he wants you to do? Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm scared to death. I'm going to miss it. He said, do you think God wants you to do what mm-hmm. he has, what's best for your life? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you think that if he wants what's best for you and you want to follow him, that he's going to hide that from you? in such a way as that, that you miss what he wants for right, you right. while being sincere. He said, God's not going to do that. Not, you know, when you miss what God wants for you, it's not because he, he didn't let you know it's because you didn't want to do it. Mm. And, you know, also I think playing into that, well, something we've already spoken about um, is that every life is different and God's going to um, take everyone down their own path. And so I can't say, well, this is the way that God called me. Therefore, this is the way he's going to call you. I mean, sure, I don't sure. think anybody's ever been called through a burning bush since Moses, you yeah, know. Yeah, um, God God does it in different ways. So in my personal life, what what God Yeah, used, I guess uh, let, let me I don't I don't mean to interrupt mm-hmm. you here. I want to maybe I want to clarify a little bit um what I was asking cuz you are right, man. It's it's been a minute since I've I've, I've gone a I've been in the deputation world though, and because guys do want to know the magic sauce of what is the call of God, and I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't <laughs> right, even really right. mean to hang you up there. So, so Pastor Jeff, you know, something he always says to me, and, and I, I really like, is that God doesn't call you to a place, at least at first, He calls you to a work, and that's based on Acts thirteen and and the disciples being sent out when the Holy Spirit had a work that He said, "Separate me, Paul and Barnabas, to," and He told them the place later. Yeah. Um, and so the work is right, the important yeah. part, but. Eventually, you got to know the place. So, you know, so it, maybe it's not the first thing that because a lot of young missionaries or kids who are zealous to be missionaries, the first thing they're trying to fill in is where should I go? And that's not the most important thing, which even you were alluding to. But when it did come down to God confirming in you, right. so 
uh, that uh, not only did you want to be in ministry, but but that you should do it in Mexico and not in the States. How how did God work that in your life? Or maybe how did he burden your heart for Mexico growing up as a missionary kid? Does that make sense? Yeah, abso- absolutely. Um, God deals with each of us individually as well. And, and he has a unique, a unique plan for each of us. And he has a unique way of getting us there. Um, so maybe every calling is not going to look exactly the same. Mm. Um, but you know, one thing that he, he, he is going to use in, in calling anyone is he's going to use that relationship. And if the thing is, if you're not communicating with God, you're not going to hear anything he tells you. Amen. Yeah. And, and maybe the place that you're going to go serve is a very important part, but also what he's telling you on a daily basis is just as important, you know? Um, so, I mean, I could, I could hear the calling to move to Mexico and then get here and not listen to him, you know, sure. every day of my life. And yeah. I could be a, a big failure in Mexico or, you know, I could be in the States and be listening to him on a, on a daily basis and, and be accomplishing his purpose for me. So it, he's going to work through that relationship. And if, and if you are, reading his word and you're in prayer, um, then he's going to be able to communicate with you when he needs to, when he, when he, when he has instructions, you're going to be able to, to receive them because the line's open. Mm-hmm. And in my case, uh, particularly just, you know, uh, my personal story, I think God gave me the unique opportunity, um, which I'm very thankful for to, to have grown up in a place where, you know, the, the Lord obviously wanted me to, to be here at this point in my life and uh, in preparation for that, um, he placed me here alongside my parents and put me in a position where, I, you know, I, I think a big part of, of God calling us is, you know, re- revealing to us where there's a need and what I can do to, to meet it. Hmm. Um, and so in my case, you know, he, he put me in a position where I had the unique opportunity to see the need in this place and also learn by working alongside my parents, how to meet that need. And so really before I became an adult, I had a vision for a need in a particular place, a particular area and a game plan for how, how to meet that need. And so to me, it was just natural, you know, what else, what else would I do when I know that there's a need here and then I can help meet it. Um, And the Lord has already given me a a heart. Uh, He's, he's given me, the ability to speak the language. Um, you know, all, all, we already have a ministry here that, that we worked with my parents to establish as, as a young boy. So it was just very natural for me to continue, uh, along that path. It seems like, you know, God, it, so it God made kind sense. of lined that up. It, it did. It was, it was, it was just, uh, and, and quite it logical. was precipitated. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was. And really, you know, you're talking about methodology. Cause like you said, the important part is, you know, he calls you to a work and then, you know, logistics are just logistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I could be doing the exact same thing in India or I could be mm-hmm. doing the exact same thing in, in Russia or, or any part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was precipitated by me surrendering my life to just do whatever he wanted me to do. Yeah. And, and I remember yeah. very specifically that taking place when I was 12 and we were living in Monterey. Oh, yeah. Um, and so at that age, I just I surrendered to do whatever the Lord wanted me to do. And then from that point forward, it was just like all of the, the preparation and all of the, the, the leading just led here. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I weren't here, I mean, let's, if, if I were in Jacksonville, I'd be doing the exact same thing. I'd just be doing it a different place, you know? Yeah. Amen. Um, it's and, just and one an thing dad's always said too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and one thing that dad always taught as well, that has always made a lot of sense to me practically, especially when someone's looking for what does the Lord want me to do? Uh, he says, listen, do, do the last thing the Lord told you to do until he tells you to do something different. Uh, amen. That's, you good. know, so if that, that's a so good if, word, if he called you to, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's sometimes I, I liken it to, you know, if, if I were sent as a soldier to Afghanistan, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, my, my commanding officer instructed me to man a post, and, and he said, all right, you stay here, man, this post, you know, I could be there a day a two days, three days. I could start to say, well, you know, maybe, maybe he wanted me to do something different. And he forgot to tell me, you know, I could start looking for something else to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I were to stray from my post, 
he would mm. come back and have some words for me, you know, yeah. uh, I'd probably wind up in, in disciplinary action. Cause you know, if, if he doesn't tell you to do something different, you just keep doing what you've been told to yeah. do. And so that's kind of my philosophy, I guess, is I'm going to keep, keep doing what he told me to do. And if he calls me tomorrow to go to Russia, I mean, he'll let me know mm-hmm. that he wants me to do that, you know, and if he does, then I'll, yeah. I'll follow that instruction. Uh, if he doesn't, I'll keep yeah. being faithful here as the best of my ability. That's really good, man. Cause it, even the way you, you were talking about just like Mexico made, so, so God worked in your heart to want to serve him. Um, in, in many ways, I'm sure. And, you know, and everybody's testimony is longer than an hour podcast, of course, but, but I love how you <laughs> even just said, it just makes sense to, to go back to my dad already started something here. I, I speak Spanish, like I, I culturally am probably in, in more of a Mexican than an American. So this just makes sense. And, and that even kind of brings it full circle to what you were saying earlier about sometimes we missed and I, I didn't even intend to go here. So I, you know, I'm glad you went here. Uh, I think we actually talked about this in the last season with some of our guests that because this is something that, that kids, I, I say kids, maybe it's cause I'm 30 now and I, yeah, I just feel old, but you know, the, the younger guys who are getting zealous, I remember being this in 18, 19 and zealous to be a missionary, zealous to do the ministry. Um, they get so worried about how do I know I'm called? I don't want to miss the call of God. And, and something that pastor Jeff has always said is somehow us, us Baptists, when it comes to the call of God, we turn into practical charismatics and we're yes, looking, we do. <laughs> we're looking for signs and wonders and, and a light beam shining through the window onto this globe that stops on a certain country and, and it's like, listen, listen, God is way more logical than that. And if you will just submit and do what he's asked you to do and then seek his will for your life every day, he will reveal it to you. And the rest can just be logistics and strategy and good planning. Um, so that's really cool to me oh, yeah. that, that your story is is very much like that, man. I, I really appreciate well, and I, that. I love, I love how God, you know, sets us up too. You know, it's, it's like, you know, we were talking before. I don't know if we were, if we were recording or we were just chatting before we started recording here, but you know, with me, it was God put me in a position growing up to where, you know, I, I really was coming back to what I, to, to what he had already prepared me for, from as a child. Mm-hmm. Well, then in, in your case, you know, um, being, being in Hungary, where you were mentioning to me that, that you have a lineage, a Hungarian lineage yeah, in, yeah. In, in your family. Um, <laughs> and so the Lord just kind of, and, and I have a, a friend that's a, a missionary in India and his, oh, great, 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 I don't know how many great grandfathers back um, was a, was an Indian Buddhist priest or Hindu priest or something of that nature and got, got saved by, uh, he, he got saved under the ministry of a missionary that went to India. And so, um, he got saved and became a a pastor, a Christian, a Hmm. Christian pastor. Um, and then now this missionary friend of mine is, you know, four or five, however many generations down the line. And he's Hmm. there as, as a missionary. Um, so, you know, see how the Lord just kind of, he, he talks about, he knows the plans he has before we even born. Mm. And, um, and, and he, he knows us, you know, when we're in the, when we're in the womb and, and he already has that laid out. If we'll just be willing to, mm. to go, if it's we'll just be to willing see how to surrender he, to his plan for us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Awesome, exactly. Well, and you look at Moses, I mean, he, he put him in Pharaoh's house, Yeah. you know, and, and raised him there. And I mean, he, he has a way of, of plotting plotting the path for us if we'll just follow it. <laughs> oh, that's good, man. Well, hey, I th- this has been awesome, and I appreciate you so much. I do have one more question for you that I'm uh, planning. I, I'm asking every missionary I have on the show. It's it's a little bit out of left field compared to you know all the other stuff, um, but it, it's just it's really uh, just practical for the time we're living in today. Um, I know that this for me myself, the year that we're living in, um, well, especially with 2020 and the the post-pandemic world that we're coming up on, it's uh, it's given me and I think a lot of Christians a more of a sense of urgency, um, and I feel convicted sometimes that I didn't have more of a sense of urgency before, um, but I think a lot of Christians who, um, who, who are Bible believers and who believe what the Bible says about the end times and the Lord coming back soon maybe are starting to have their eyesight adjusted a little bit. Maybe that's the 2020 focus God wanted us to have versus what we were right. all thinking in 2019. Um, but let me just yeah. ask you a practical question, man. Has, has the world, and, and listen, I promise you don't have to spend, you know, a ton of time really fleshing it out. Just, just how does this hit you, uh, you know, off the top of your head? How has the world events of the last year or two, how has that affected your 
practical ministry and strategy on the field? Has it has it changed at all? Has of of course church meetings and stuff have changed, but just your your strategy, your urgency for for reaching the lost in your mission field. Because I don't know about you, man, but I'm I'm praying for the gleanings at this point. Like I, you know, it's kind of changed how how I see the mission field now that I'm here because of 2020. Yeah, you you know it does give you a different perspective. Um, you know I I know the Lord has a purpose for what He does, and He obviously has a purpose for for what He has done in 2020. Um, you know, I, I look at that and I say, I, I suspect <laughs> that he's preparing the world for, for, um, things yet to come. Um, I don't know, you know, how much of his intention is he, he's shaken up the church. Mm-hmm. How much of the intention is he's shaken up the world? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure he's, he's doing both on purpose. Um, and, and, and as far as, you know, obviously, you know, the ministry looks different right now. We, we, we tr- we're trying to get back to, to what we think is the most effective way. And, and we feel like maybe ministry has been less effective having to use, you know, kind of backup, backup plans and stuff. <laughs> um, so instead of, instead of meeting in person, you might have to do something on zoom or something like that. Um, we don't feel like that's maybe as, as effective as it could be, but you know, maybe the Lord does, you know, <laughs> maybe there are people that, that have come to know him, through the situation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, obviously if it wasn't for the best, he wouldn't have done it. Um, sure, sure. but when I, you know, when I look forward, I, I say, obviously, obviously, you know, we're getting closer every day. And I mean, it's just, it's not just, you see one thing happen, you just see one thing happen. And then before it's over, another thing happens. I mean, look at what's going on in Israel right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're not even out of the pandemic yet. And, uh, now they're being bombarded and it's just like, things are lining up. Um, and, we don't know the day or the hour, but it, it certainly seems like we're getting close. And, um, you know, I just look and say, how, how much is he preparing the world mm-hmm. for this? Now, optimistically, you, you want to look at that and say, man, there are going to be a lot more people come to Christ through this. Mm-hmm. And I think we have seen people come to Christ through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that's, you know, the Lord is, is going to work that. But he also, you know, he sent plagues to Egypt mm-hmm. and then... After ten plagues, he he wound up wiping most of them out. <laughs> you know the <laughs> armies and stuff. Yeah, obviously there there were there were people that came came to him through that. You know, um, and 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 you have some Egyptians coming and and sending off the Israelites, giving them all their gold and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> so obviously there were hearts touched through the plagues, and and obviously his intention and his purpose because he he says you know why he sent the plagues. And he said the plagues are, are so that they will know that I am the yeah. Lord. Yeah. Um, and the Egyptians saw that, but then there probably were some that repented and, and believed on him, but then there were others that hardened their hearts and chased after the Israelites. And I'd like to say that there's going to be a great worldwide revival because of the pandemic. Uh, I certainly hope that's the case. Um, but then at the same time, you know, what, what we seem to be seeing is we have had people come closer to Christ because of it and through the through the last year but it also seems like we're seeing a lot of hardened hearts mm. um you look at israel and right now it's like man you know you just go through this worldwide pandemic and then the first thing that everyone wants to do is jump on israel <laughs> you know yeah. it, it just seems like a hard heart to me um mm. and then you know as we're reaching people um you know we we go out every week um, with our church people and just go door to door and knock on doors, invite people to come to church, share the gospel with them in person. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like we've had a lot less, um, receptivity, if that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> um, people are a lot less open. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a cause and effect relationship there. If it, if, if they're hardening their hearts because of the pandemic or, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to know what, what the Lord's sure. plans are. Has, Obviously he's doing has something. It affected, um, um your you personally um you know and, and if it hasn't it's okay i mean if if you if you if you've been trucking along and you're like nah man it's we're we're just going to keep trucking along and try not to be persuaded that that's a good answer too but has has it like changed uh, your yeah. your per- personal evangelism or your prayer time or anything like that um 
As far as strategy is concerned, um, I don't know that we've changed our strategy mm-hmm. as much as far as like ministry strategy, like how we're trying to go out reaching people. Um, you know, obviously as we're evangelizing, you know, the pandemic is is a great um, is a great tool to use to say, hey, listen, you know, we, if we've learned anything this year, we've learned that life is fleeting. <laughs> life uh, is a vapor, yeah. You know, James, right, yeah, right. We, <laughs> so, you know, this something we need to be thinking about. And so it obviously gives you a, a, a handy illustration there to use <laughs> sure, to share the there's, gospel. There's your icebreaker. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. Hey, mortality. <laughs> so, but as far as, exactly. <laughs> as far as strategy is concerned, I, you know, I wouldn't say it's, it's changed our strategy, you know, and, and our strategy is very basic, you know, it's, it's, it's biblical. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and in fact, honestly, as many things as have changed, and this is one thing that we've shared with our church recently, as many things as have changed this year, uh, the Great Commission hasn't, mm, you know. Amen. And so if amen. we're following the Great Commission, um, you just keep doing it, you know. Um, so our strategy is evangelize the lost, preach the gospel, number one. Number two, um, and, and you kind of talked about subsets, you know. Um, we kind of we kind of follow that model. It's you, you share the gospel with everybody you can. Um, only a handful of those are going to get saved. The ones that get saved, you try to disciple um, not all of them are going to, are going to want to be discipled. Mm-hmm. You disciple the ones that are willing, uh, out of the ones that you disciple, you know, there's some that are going to be faithful. that are going to want to, to serve the Lord in, in leadership capacity and, and take on more responsibility. So you train, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those for leadership that are faithful and willing and, and want to, to serve the Lord to a greater degree. Um, and those that you train, you know, the Lord's going to call some of those to be pastors, be missionaries, to, to be, you know, children's church teachers, uh, to, to different ministries. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of our basic strategy. And, and so we're, we're continuing to do that. Um, just look for the willing. We people. obviously try to be that's creative good. and exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And, and I'll say, you know, one thing, you know, our church, our church doesn't seem to have, um, lost members over the oh, pandemic. The um, yeah. And, and really, you know, we have, you know, we have an evangelism ministry, then we have a discipleship ministry. Our discipleship ministry is growing. Um, we we have just as many people in the discipleship and excited about discipleship. So we haven't seen a fall off there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a seminary ministry, um, which is to train leadership. Uh, so those that have gone through discipleship and want you know more specific leadership training, um, you know, we we have that seminary program available, and we're looking. We're we're anticipating our highest enrollment this year that we've had so far in our seminary. Oh, awesome. um, so it it seems like you know our, our strategy is kind of keep trucking along, keep doing what the you know, Lord's called us to do, keep good, being faithful. It, it kind of goes back to what you said earlier. We're just doing what God told us to do until he, until He tells us to do something different. <laughs> exactly, That's awesome. exactly. Oh, and we'll see, you know, Praise what His purpose is in all of this. Man. But awesome. Well, hey, man, um, I thank you so much for for being willing to do this. I, I appreciate. Uh, the fact that you took time out of your day, there's seven hours between us. So, you know, being, being able to match up, I, I really appreciate that. Um, you're in Mexico, I'm in central Europe. So thank you for that. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, it, real quick before you go, um, how can people find out more about you, um, online or however, or contribute to your ministry? Yeah, well, um, we have a, a mission board that, that we process our, uh, support through, mm-hmm. uh, it's a real blessing. They, they handle, you know, any contributions are sent directly to them. And then they, uh, every cent that is sent for us, um, goes directly to us. What they do is they actually, they're supported as a ministry themselves. Mm-hmm. And so their, their paychecks come from their own support. And then everything that gets sent to us, uh, comes directly to us. But, um, but they help make sure that we're all in line with the IRS and doing everything. Yeah rights we're not we're not in trouble how, how do they um, find you so there? their their website is i believe it's bbfimissions.org okay. um you can you can correct me if i'm if you look up the website and it's bbfimissions.com forgive okay. me uh, <laughs> but bbfi other, but missions if you, if you just <laughs> bbfi missions you can google baptist bible fellowship international mm-hmm. and and we have a, a page there on their website okay and any contributions can be sent through there is and and that kind of thing and also our church has a website here um it's aibb.mx um or if you google iglesia bautista merida norte which is the name of our church. Uh, it pulls up a website and all four of, of the churches that we have here are on that website and all the information about what we're doing in ministry and that oh, kind of awesome. thing is on our, our church website. We had, Well, 
it's a Spanish website, but we did put it in English page. Some of it may not be uh, accurately translated, but we have <laughs> no an English worries. and Spanish side of it. <laughs> well, you know, Google Chrome does everything seems automatically anymore nowadays. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you being with us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you having me. Enjoyed it. Well, there you go. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with missionary Josh Allred. Make sure you check out his church's website if you want more information or if you'd like to donate to Josh and his family and his ministry and what they're doing there in Mexico. Um, a lot of good things there, a lot of different perspectives um, from the uh, of the mission field from the perspective of someone who was raised as a missionary kid and then went back to the field to continue serving. Um, and, and then he's raising uh, third generation, we might be able to say missionary kids. And so uh, pray for his family. And, and man, if you think about it, just pray for missionary kids in general, when you're, when you're spending time praying for missionaries and for what God's doing around the world, pray for their kids. Uh, sometimes, um, we, we forget that, you know, mom and dad have been called, uh, to do a work for the Lord, but it, it, they didn't get called alone. The whole family got called. And sometimes the kids, they don't fully understand, um, but they are there because they have to be. And, uh, and so it can, it can be difficult depending on the circumstances and the country and the culture that those kids are in. Um, but man, I thank the Lord for Josh and for his family and for his parents who were a godly example to him and continue uh, to be faithful servants where they're at in Mexico. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. I hope that you'll join us next week on Missionary Roundtable as we continue to pick the brains of pastors and missionaries on the topic of international missions and the Great Commission. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe and share us on social media. Also, please make sure to check out our other podcast, Theology Roundtable, at theologyroundtable.com.